It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, and welcome to the new Tuesday podcast. My name is Tim Batt, and I've been interested in this crazy New Zealand comedy film concept ever since I found out about it from screenwriter Jackie Van Beek. We were working together a few months ago and she kept disappearing to edit this mysterious feature film that had Jermaine Clement, a whole lot of nudity and apparently all of the characters spoken gibberish. I knew that Jackie and her mate Iman Ballantyne, who co-created and directed the movie, were making something that was either completely nonsensical or a work of cinematic genius. Either way, I love a movie that swings for the fences, so I had to find out more. This miniseries features a set of interviews with the people who made the film. From Jackie and Aman themselves, to actors Damon Herriman, Jermaine Clement, Chris Parker, musician Luke Bodder, who recorded the gibberish covers of songs by Talking Heads and the Zombies for this film, to the intimacy coordinator Tandy Wright, who helped the actors get ready for nudity on film, for many of them for the first time of their career. New Tuesday is in cinemas in New Zealand on June 16th and in Australia June 23rd, so make sure that you head along and bring some mates. It'll be available on streaming platforms after that. In this first episode, I chat to the co-creators of the film. New Tuesday's director is Aman Ballantyne, an award-winning writer and director known for her feature The Strength of Water and the fantastic early 2000s teen comedy series Being Eve. Jackie Van Beek is an actor, improviser, writer and director known for her movie The Breaker Upper Is, which she co-wrote, co-directed and co-starred in with her pal Madeline Sami, plus a ton of TV work like Funny Girls, The Educators, 800 Words and directing a raft of Wellington Paranormal episodes. Lovely. Hello, Jackie. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Um, I've got to start by saying congratulations on this incredible film. I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. It was so good. And uh, I first want to talk a little bit about your acting because mm. um, I just I thought it was you, you're fantastic on screen. You're just so like captivating. Oh well, compared to real life. Or? Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> right. where I was going with that. We've hung out enough, and so I've got some comparisons to make. And I was like, why can't you be more like these engaging characters you portray on screen with than all your the real makeup life? and the hair? All the hair's all nice, not in real life. So yes, yeah, so we've got you and Bruno. Everyone's so fun to say. Yeah, la- well, we chose the Laura. names to make, and but we had to choose names that we could say with an accent because some names are very hard, like Chris. You couldn't do no, but Bruno, yeah. like very. So we go, okay, that's one that we can say. Laura, yep, we can say that in gibberish. So that's the names of the main cast. Um, Did you have anyone in mind when you were creating these characters, or is this uh, an amalgamation of just like people you see out living living in the world in their cars and the supermarket lines? Well, I. Aman and I always knew that I was going to play Laura, so that, so that was good to have me in mind when I was writing that role. And we met Damon Harriman um, halfway through the writing process, so that was great to know who we were writing for. We met um, Damon, I met Damon at the after party of the Breaker Uppers at the Sydney Film Festival, and he handed me his, um, I guess you'd call it a business card? What I know, and I and he was so embarrassed. Um, Do actors generally have business cards? Well, no, but um, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but um, 
I was already obsessed with him, but he didn't know that. Right. Because uh, I'd already been watching him on YouTube, and I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, he came up to me at the um, after party of the Breaker Uppers, and we had this great chat, and I was like, wow, what an amazing guy. I said, I told him that, you know, I'd been watching him on YouTube. I was obsessed with him. Didn't mention the film, because I was like, I'm not the director. Like, I don't get the full say of casting, so I'll wait to talk to a man. Um, and then he, he, he went away, and then he came back, and he said, this is really embarrassing, and I've only ever done this once before, but here's my card and I said oh my god thank you so much and it was so touching for me because I mean I was already obsessed with him yeah. and of course I went home and three weeks later I took a photo of his of his card on my desk with the amazing view out of my office and we started this beautiful email relationship and and then eventually you know Aman um asked him if he would consider playing the role of um, Bruno and, yeah. and you know, away we went and it started in such a beautiful way Incredible. the relationship me me obsessing and stalking him on YouTube how did this idea start? Where did the seed come from? Well, Aman I met maybe eight or nine years ago and we became really fast friends. At that stage, she had directed a feature film and I hadn't and I was just about to direct my first feature film, The Inland Road. So I took her out for dinner, asked her a million questions, basically fell in platonic love with her and we've been like really good friends ever since. And then we started, um, we decided that we wanted to collaborate together but with just differing roles, you know, just like, was some projects I could be the writer I could be the actor I could be the director or you could be the director or you could be the writer and so we started developing maybe four five six projects together stories and then we decided to focus in on Nude Tuesday because um, I don't know we're just excited about putting a putting a focus on that and we developed the story for about a year essentially um, flailing marriage new age camp fish out of water you know that kind of story and then about a year into development um I came up with the idea because we'd been looking at kind of themes of miscommunication and misinterpretation and things and came up with the idea of what if nobody understands anybody in the film? What if what if we're all speaking in a gibberish language and then we can get different writers after we finish the film to interpret it? And so maybe the couple, you know, the couple could be arguing about anything. Like, we don't know. Um, and so when we added that element to the film, that kind of really unlocks the kind of absurdity door in our brains. So you've been working on the story for, like, a year. Yeah. And this came out of the sort of theme of people talking past each other and not hearing each other. And yeah. you just sort of turned that dial up to 20. Well, yeah, I just had the idea because Aman and I, it was um, New Zealand Film Festival time, at the time, and we had been going to see lots of films together, lots of non-English speaking films, looking at a lot of subtitles. We've been joking around about subtitles. I've done a lot of, you know, back in back in old high school days, did a lot of theatre sports using gibberish, and I've done a lot of improv, as you know. And then just one morning, I woke up like at six thirty in the morning, and I was like, "What if the whole thing's in gibberish?" And I rang a man and was like, "You've got to drive over to my place," which was like forty minutes drive at the time. <laughs> I live a lot closer to her now. Yeah, we bought a place only three minutes walk from her house because I see her so much. <laughs> um, but at that time, it was like a forty-minute drive, and so she drove out, and I pitched her the idea in person, and we went with it. She loved it. She was like, "Okay, God, okay, let's." Were you anticipating that? That should just be right on board? Because it's a pretty big offer from you. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to like be able to look her in the eye, like right. make her a cup of tea, look her because I didn't want to pitch it on the phone. Nice. But I was pretty confident that a man would embrace that because we'd been looking for like a unique point of difference with this film because, mm -hmm. you know, we go to festivals and there are so many brilliant films made every single year. Yeah. 
and we were looking at yet again a story about a flailing marriage and we've seen that story done brilliantly so yeah. many times um so we were like what can we keep you know what you know what delights us about movie making what delights us about performing writing i don't know investigating theme how can we push further into this and so um, yeah, she's, I mean, she's a courageous woman. So she was like, yeah, let's just got on board. Let's do it. Let's try it. Just let's, ran at it. Yeah. And let's just keep developing it with this in mind and sure. see how that affects the story. And as a screenwriter, how does it feel that you are at that point working on a script that, you know, really won't be seen by anyone? You know, scripts are really hard. It's hard. It's so hard to write a feature film and you're laboring over this thing that, you know, no one's going to see in the form that you're writing it. Well, yeah. Because well, <laughs> I, I didn't realize this, but I heard there yeah. is a script, right, that yes. you wrote. Oh, yeah. So like all of the characters know what they're saying. Yeah. But, but we kind of. And, and, and because Aman and I aren't well established enough or famous enough to just say to our financiers, can we just have $5 million, but we're not going to show you a script? Because they would say no, and fair enough. Oh, I see. Um, so part of this is sort of producery Well, no, well, I mean, creatively, like, you know, writing a screenplay, which is, you know, I is always the hardest part, I think, for me anyway, as a writer, actor, director. The writing's always, you know, so hard, and I love it, but it's so hard to, like, get it all, you know, working. Um, but for me... Like dialogue is probably 10% of the screenplay for me. Like that's kind of um, the easier part, like the layer on the top for me. The hard part of writing a screenplay for me is the structuring of the action, all of the character arcs, the thematics running through. So I spent years, you know, really focusing in on that. Like right. um, because Oman and I, and Oman worked very, very closely with me on the story. Um, so I was constantly going away and writing, coming back, chatting to her, going away and writing. And so we set out to be able to tell a story visually without needing dialogue. So we worked on that. And then, yes, I did write. This was before you made the decision to have this uh, unknowable language in it. No, no, no. So I was writing it just very normally for the first year, you know, like, well, yeah. I think I was just writing treatments because Aman and I tend to just work on outlines and treatments for a, a long time before we start writing the actual screenplay. So we have a really good outline of the narrative. Um, but so, yeah, so the, for the four years of script development, it was really focusing on those really tricky things like the structure, the, um, yeah, the character arcs, um, and then... Uh, and then, of course, the dialogue, like you say, like I knew nobody would ever hear, but it was important um, for me to write it, A, to get it financed so people could read it and get a sense of how it might feel and what, it, you know, what the dialogue might add mm. um, to the comedy and things. But also so the actors kind of had an idea about what they were saying, <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're in production. Sure. I love writing dialogue, but uh, and it was a little bit heartbreaking um, for me when I'd write a line that I thought was really good. That's I was what like, I'm thinking, right? Like you, Damn you, it. You, as a comedy performer as well, you get a cracking line in there and you're like, ah, oh, they're not going to know. I know, they're but I was know. more excited. I was more excited. I mean, I've written a couple of films in English, you know. <laughs> You've done, done that? that? You can tick it off? Yeah, I was more interested in, and it was so, it was everything I hoped for it to be in production because I love improv so much. And it was a whole bunch of us actors improvising and you had to so key into your acting partner because all you can do is feed off their energy did that influence the casting as well because there's a lot of very talented improvisers in this film yes aman and i um 
we really looked for we we really looked for you know courageous actors that were comfortable with improvisation they also needed to be comfortable with nudity of mm. course so you know it cuts out a lot of a lot of people and in the end actually when i look at the cast now I realise that so many of that cast are actually makers of their own work. Like yes. so many of them are writers, actors, directors, people that are really interested in pushing into new territory. You know, very courageous cast. Uh, cast. So, yeah, so we certainly were looking for people that were comfortable with improvisation. Well, let's talk about the nudity bit. So mm. it, it, it seems to me that this film from like quite a direct um, – narrative story point of view and sort of a metatextual point of view if i may has a bit to say about nudity and how naked bodies are treated and this movie seems to to cut against some of that or at least have a bit of a commentary on it and the sort of sacredness of sexuality and sensuality and how it's sort of i don't know kind of weaponized in, in hollywood a bit was that always part of it is that something that you and aman always wanted to explore with this or did What's the deal with the nudity bit, Jackie? Uh, the deal with the nudity bit, um, yes, Aman and I um, had a shared agenda when it came to the nudity. We both um, love, you know, watching European films, films coming out of Scandinavia. And so with um, with nudity in those films, you know, we have grown up watching nudity as just part of normal life. And certainly for me now as an adult, uh, when I go to a nudist beach, which I do enjoy in summer, um, you know, I'm there to lie in the sun, get an even tan, feel the water on my body. I'm not there to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird that people go... Ugh, God, it must be so pervy at the nudie beach. I'm like, no one's there to have sex. <laughs> like, isn't nudity just being like... A you don't have your clothes on. Yeah, that's, that that's, yeah. How I, that's how I think about it. And so with, with Nude Tuesday, Aman and I were like, let's just try and normalise it. Um, see people without their clothes on in a beautiful landscape. Um, make it part of the landscape. Um, practicality of being naked means that you're a lot colder. Mm. Um, what time of year did you shoot it in? We shot it in September, October. Okay. Mm, down in the South Island, very, very cold. And you're in the kind of south of the South Island. Yeah. And Jermaine Clement, yes. who is fantastic in this film, uh, suffered hypothermia. Now, he did have a mild case of hypothermia, but I believe. But that's still hypothermia. <laughs> Tell me about it. What happened? What happened? Yeah. Well, he, I, I mean, this is a spoiler, but he, there's only one person that needed to enter the icy pool in this film. Uh, and it wasn't me. And it wasn't Damon. Um, so Jermaine voluntarily uh, and very courageously entered the icy lake um, up the top of some mountains in October in the South Island, stayed in there for as long as um, he could wow. <laughs> while we got our shots. Well, Aman, you know, and the team worked very quickly to get those shots that we needed. And then, um, and then the next day I did, I did find out that we did need to just do a little bit of a tweakeroo to the schedule because the doctor had unfortunately, um, diagnosed him with mild hypothermia and so we did have to swap a day um and he spent that day cuddled up under some blankets and was Jermaine with this he I, well Aman and I went to visit him with um I can't remember whether we took cookies or not um just to check in on him and he was in good spirits he's a very generous human being Aman told me later that he'd even said to her, if you need me to go in again, I will. And Aman was like, no, 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 we've oh got, my we've, God. we've got, no, so incredibly <laughs> generous. And I think great, you know, like really important, obviously for him to rest and stay warm while he recovered. But um, amazingly, he was back on set 
um, acting up a storm the following day. You know, Incredible. he had one day rest and it was amazing. I would sort of describe the outfit in the film as um, cult light. Maybe it's like, <laughs> it's not quite a cult, but it's not exactly not a cult either. And, there, and, and Jermaine sort of assumes this position as a sexual guru bordering on he kind of with a nudge he could be a cult leader in this it's, it's a fine line between these sort of um <clears throat> getaways or retreats where you do a lot of interesting rituals and you do have to let go of a lot of baggage and enter into um certain practices that uh, take you out of your comfort zone have you got any experience with those sorts of things oh yeah what were you drawing on there? What are some weird ones you've been on? I lead a lot. No, I don't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> As a cult leader, I try to, um, yeah, I try to. No. Um, There's a lot of crossover skills, I think, between <laughs> filmmaking and leading a cult. Well, there, are, there are, actually is. Um, no, I, yes, Aman and I together went to a seven-day camp in Palmerston North uh, the year before we made this film. Um, and that we felt like we wanted to do that and needed to do that, even though a number of people took us out to dinner and begged us not to go because they said we would be traumatised for life, what people is, that had been. What's the nature of it? Um, I'm going to be broad because I don't want to identify sure. the particular camp, um, although I would highly recommend to courageous people who are interested in self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Um it was, I, yeah, I would say um, sexual healing, self-discovery, yeah, empowerment, self-empowerment, I would say were the main themes of the camp. So we went to the seven-day camp and boy, did we experience um, a lot of challenging, confronting, yet enriching yeah. uh, uh, exercises. Have you done much, Tim? Have you participated in many? I've not. Mm. I've not. No. Mm. And perhaps I should expand my horizons. Well, what I like to do is I like to find out. I, I love in all areas of my life, in my creative life, I like to put myself into situations where I go right up to the very edge because I like to feel where my boundaries are. Mm-hmm. And that camp, I felt them. Wow. I felt them strongly, Tim. Those sorts of... <laughs> These sorts of retreats and camps, they it is a very fine line, isn't mm. it, between a journey of self-discovery that is being led by some unconventional but um, practiced and experienced people in, in a cult. The thing is, everyone knows they're there because they have what they want to be there and yeah. everyone's paid their money and everyone knows they're not being forced to be there, right? But then when you're there, of course, there is a pressure to participate, even though uh, people say there is no pressure to participate in anything you don't want to put. But of course, you feel like you Social need pressure to... Social pressure is an incredibly powerful well, thing. Yes, and if there's 30 people in a circle, um, you feel dumb if you're the one who's like, I don't... I'm too scared to do that. So Aman and I participated in most things um, before 10 p.m. After 10 p.m., we'd just kind of slither off and have a cup of tea up in the bunk room, um, which was fine. And then we let everyone else continue to um, self-discover. Gotcha. Yeah. But you are approaching this, and I can feel this in the film, not from a cynical point of view where you are making fun of um these these sorts of no. retreats and getaways and i i mean i um you're a fan i am i actually am a fan i am one of those human beings who um 
like I said, I like to challenge myself on a personal level. I like to to be confronted. I like to test my own metal. And I do, and you know, and I get, and I just, I. I don't know, like I'm in a beautiful monogamous relationship. I have three wonderful children. I have a cat and a dog. I'm very lucky. I'm a homeowner. And then I go to these camps and freak myself out yeah. in a safe way. See what's on the other side. To go, whoa, like I, I'm, I'm scared of that. Or like the camp in Nude Tuesday, let's just say, was a very mild version sure. of, um, you know, of of some of the experiences out there that you can participate in. I would say interesting. But I think that I mean I'm all for I mean I'm all for people who you know voluntarily, of course, uh, and consentfully want to go and participate in these things, and um, and I think you do discover a lot about yourself, Jackie. How else can we grow but challenge ourselves and, and push the envelope a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it's wild. Um, now, Julia Davis is the person who wrote the subtitles for the version that I've seen mm. of this film. How many subtitlers are there? There are two versions currently. So there is um, Julia Davis's version and there is a fabulous Australian version that was um, written by Celia Pacola and Ronnie Cheng, which, was, which is equally fabulous. Yeah. Is there a plan for there to be more in other languages or anything like that? There is a plan, but it's only in my mind. I see, I see. <laughs> no, I have a grand plan. Aman and I, um, so one of the things that excited us about this project when we came up with this gibberish idea is like if we if we set this up, like this kind of template up and we make the movie and do all the hard work and we film it and we edit it and we grade it and then we lock <laughs> off the picture. Everyone knows writing is the easy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We do all the hard stuff, yeah. and like if we finance all that stuff, right? Yeah, if we yeah. get that all financed, and we do it, then our great hope, and we have no control over whether this will happen or not, is that maybe other writers or other producers will pay other writers to go. Do you want to subtitle? Nude Tuesday for our territory or maybe one day you know it may be on a streamer and that streamer maybe if they have lots of money I mean this is my like ultimate ultimate dream they might go gosh maybe we've got enough money to commission seven writers yeah. from around the world uh and I mean that and and then to have all of those versions on the same platform see that's my ultimate dream but uh, but we've just been, all we've been able to do is set it up. Yeah. We had money to do two versions mm -hmm. and then we just have to see what happens. For sure. Mm. It seems to me that it would be important for the person who's doing the subtitling to uh, not see any of the other subtitled versions before they have a crack at it. Yeah, that's right. So we, you know, so when we asked Julia and Celia and Ronnie to subtitle, Aman and I sent them the finished film, but they didn't read any scripts and they didn't see any subtitles. So they just had the picture. Yeah. That was in no direction from you um, or Aman? No, not really. Just No, we just said, look, just write, just write what you feel. Like, don't feel like it has to be comedy. Don't feel like it has to be gags. If you want to write drama, write drama. Like, you know, like it really is up to you. It's about trying to capture your flavour, your version of this. That just seems like such an incredibly generous thing to do as someone who's put so much work into getting the film to that point and you're so connected to the story which you have been working on for years and, and written a full feature length script for and then gone and started and done all of the and in a man's case directed and you've gone through all of the stuff and then to have the I guess it's trust to hand that over to some other people to just say do as you will. Yeah, I mean, well, of, of course, we were very careful to approach people that we thought were incredibly talented and yeah. you know have unique voices. 
but it was um, kind of shocking and stunning to receive Julia's subtitles there. Adam and I typed diligently up, you know, put them up on screen and it was really eye-opening some of the stuff that she like even like she changed a lot of backstory like, and, I mean, and hopefully this isn't a, um, a spoiler either but it, <laughs> I don't know it just stayed with me it was so funny there's just four I would I wouldn't say no reason but for like not a core reason your character has thrush <laughs> throughout the film and there's many different colorful references <laughs> to it in different ways of putting it and it just it got me because I, apparently oh. I'm 15 years old forever <laughs> I love that so I funny. love that Julia would just you know she'd fixate on something and then she'd just like weave it right through the draft that's right but also like and I don't know if this is a spoiler maybe it is but um my character was an adulterer had committed adultery which i never wrote i was gonna say in julia's vision yes that is correct and that was oh, that was so shocking and brilliant to me i was, was like oh it would all make sense now the whole story makes more sense yeah um how did you th- feel about that i loved it i was like <laughs> that at first i was like felt very defensive because i played that character like so, mm. so just for a flash i was like what the heck? She wouldn't do that. And then I was like, that is brilliant. <laughs> now I can see why Bruno is so wound up, you know, with, you know, like he's so mad at her. Yeah. Um, and she's all defensive. It really kind of changed um, the whole thing for me. And, and both versions that we have actually completed have different endings. Same picture, same yeah. picture, but yes. different outcomes. Yes. Mm. The, 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 the two writing teams, if you will, have, have interpreted what's on screen mm. almost in opposite ways. Because mm. I've heard what the other one is. It's, yeah, it's quite amazing. Mm. How did you feel when Julia Davis signed on board? Because I know you're a huge fan of hers. I felt faint. <laughs> I mean. Did you expect it? Well, I had been um, lucky enough to be introduced to her uh, just via email through our agents over in the US. And so um, we'd we'd exchanged some emails and then Aman and I campaigned very hard because we just knew Julia would do such an outrageous version and that she'd be so brilliant at this. So we campaigned very hard with our producers, you know, to try and find the money, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to approach her. So because I had already had communication with her, yeah. um, I was really keeping my fingers crossed. It wasn't just like like she knew who I was, yes. thankfully. Well, she loved the breaker uppers. She saw the breaker uppers. That's right. She didn't see it. She loved it. She loved it. She yeah. told me. That's right. She had seen that movie and loved it, apparently. Yes. So we had a, and Aman and I organized a Zoom with her. And and I was, I really, I said to Aman before we went on the Zoom, I said, look, I am such a big fan like Julia is such an idol of mine and I've just I just really want to play it cool like I wanted to say yes to this and stuff one of the first things I said Tim to her which I felt so embarrassed about was like Julia I washed my hair <laughs> and then I was like oh my god and then I said oh god Julia I'm, I promised myself I wouldn't say anything like that and she loved it like she was just like oh you're hilarious oh, I washed my hair I don't, I don't, and I'm not that person right where did that come from I don't know but I was just like so yeah I was I just am so enamored with her and she was so it's very disarming to have someone come up to you gushing and saying I washed my hair is you know I, a man said to me after the zoom after I was like oh my god I can't believe it. and a man said I think anyone would find that flattering I yes. think it's fine yes you know yeah um and it was because then she said yes to the job and we worked um you know her a man and I worked very closely together for a number of months because you know she would ask us a bunch of questions sure. and send through some drafts and we'd feedback and what I loved about Julia so much was that every time she sent through an amazing, you know, section of stuff for us to upload onto the screen, 
she would always in her email say, oh, it's just so overly sexual. I've just, I, oh, I just hate myself. <laughs> I hate myself. I'm going to pull it back. I swear I'm going to pull it back. Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. What awful writing. And we'd go, oh, we, we like it, but do whatever you want. Yeah. And then the next draft, she will have doubled down on all <laughs> of the sexual stuff. It's like, oh, my God. It's like she can't control herself. Yeah. We love it. Well, that's kind of why you picked her, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, because, I mean, I don't mind whether she wrote sexual stuff or not, but I mean, I love, I've always loved how edgy and kind of bleak. (laughs) So bleak and silly and hilarious. So, Jackie, as we speak, we are sort of on the eve of this flick coming out. Yeah. What is your hope for Nude Tuesday? I guess I just love people to find the movie funny. And heartwarming and human and I hope they appreciate the courage of the actors to be so vulnerable and nude on screen. Um, But I hope they just kind of immerse themselves in the silliness and the absurdity of the world and just enjoy that. Um, Yeah, that's my greatest hope. It is gorgeous. And you were fantastic Thank and, you. and your acting is tremendous in it. So congratulations. It's a it's a brilliant film. Thanks well so much. Bye, Jackie. Bye. Aman, hello. <laughs> hello. Um, congratulations on the film, first of all. I loved it. Ah, oh, it's I'm like good news. You don't always know when um, a crazy, innovative, fun-sounding idea is actually going to work, and it's so nice when it does. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> do. Have you got some questions about whether or not it, it did? Well, I'm I'm excited to to watch it with an audience because we've not done that yet. So I'm going to be spending the whole time watching the audience. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So really, I, yeah, I guess like. So used to the world of um, hearing about these Hollywood films where there's test screenings all the time and they're changing things depending on We did on do that. some mini test screenings of the film, but uh, because of COVID, those were really clipped, you know, and uh, and we didn't get that opportunity. So our first screening will be at the State Theatre, which is, I think it's like the seating capacity is like 2,000 or something. Amazing. So we, haven't, we certainly didn't do a test screening for 2,000 people. Oh, my God. So cool. So um, I understand that you and Jackie um, work incredibly collaboratively together. Can we you do. just like tell me a little bit about the relationship that you two have? Um, hugely fun. And uh, we know each other so well now that we can be very, very upfront and very honest with one another, which is excellent because it just really drives the creative ideas further, quicker. And um, so there's no sort of, yeah, there's a lot of respect, I think, a mutual respect. And it's um, very playful, very fun. I guess it would be probably hard to undertake something like this. There's just there's so many moving parts. Like even the um, the nudity bit by itself for a New Zealand production, I imagine could be a little bit fraught if you didn't have everyone very much on the same page and the key sort of filmmakers um, in real unity. Like if there was any animosity there, I feel like it would be a very oh, un- yeah. potentially unsafe environment to be making a, a story in. I mean, you wouldn't want to do get actors to do anything they they really didn't want to do so all of the actors knew 
the nudity that would be involved in the in the part that they before they auditioned, and uh, and certainly Jackie had written it as she was writing it. She'd be like, "Oh no, I'm going to have to do this," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yes, you are. Yes, you are, and I'm going to make you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but but really, I th- I think that um, it was more that I was excited about the bravery that she was wanting to do as an actor and so she was writing a part for herself that she knew was stepping just outside her comfort zone and as a director I really wanted to encourage that through the process of the writing I was like yes let's push that you know as far as you're you're you know comfortable to go and what what suits the character what suits the story and then we invited um, the actors who you know came into audition and were very upfront front about the the nudity and then along the way, we had this amazing intimacy coordinator, Tandy Wright, and so we collaborated very much from as soon as we cast people all the way through the production to make sure that it was, you know, people felt as held and as supportive of, as possible. Mm. When you say that, that all the actors knew what they were getting in for, my mind immediately went to the fact that, you know, I know on auditions a lot of time they'll be asked, can you ride a horse? And yeah. everyone says, oh, yes, of course, <laughs> because you just don't know what's what's going to what work's going to come through and you say yes to everything and you sort of worry about the consequences later and i imagine at least for one or two members of of the um cast of this film that probably happened with you know the question was that you're right with full frontal nudity and they say oh yes yes yes, yes it's fine I, and then reckoned with it perhaps later on when they got the part that's true you know um but i think that the the you know deep down inside when they said yes you know uh I'll do. I'll audition for Nude Tuesday. Yes. You know, like they knew that that would still be coming, and we weren't going to just suddenly cut that out of the screen. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know? Yes, fair so, enough. So I feel. So I feel like um, as it got closer, for certainly for some of the cast, uh, it was more like, oh wow, I did sign up to do that. It's like I guess it's like signing up and going, I'm going to bungee jump, and then you're like, well, hang on, now I'm yeah. up the top there. You know, but I, I feel very proud that our cast. And our, and our crew were really supportive as well, and you know, and then our cast bound together, and we all worked as a as a team up there, on the top of the mountain in, yeah. the, in the in the cold, and 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 they all just handled it with bravery and sort of a magnificence, and and because of that, they and they felt prepared, they felt ready for it, and they came down, and we all went to the pub, and we all sat in front of the fire and celebrated everyone's sort of audacity and commitment to the craft because they understood that it was important for the story, you know. I'm more and more realising why everyone keeps referring to this as school camp now because it's like <laughs> when you do those trust exercises yeah, yeah. where you fall back yeah, and have yeah. to be caught. It um, seems yeah. quite analogous. Yeah. I hope this isn't an annoying question, but it strikes me that the there's a couple of features of this film that just have the absolute fingerprints of this this is coming from the female gaze and this is this film sort of is um in a lot of ways the way that it is because the key filmmakers for the vision I saw mm-hmm. yourself and Jackie and Julia Davis doing the um subtitles mm-hmm. are all women and uh, f- like for me at least that was tied up with the treatment of the nudity and and the naked body and the sort of desexualization mm-hmm. or the decoupling yep. of, of of um sexualizing bodies and and simply seeing someone that doesn't have any clothes on do you think that that is true do you think that's something that comes from a a woman's uh perspective or um am i barking up the wrong tree there i've never thought about it uh as intellectually as that it's always been a much more instinctual 
thing that we, we, you know, when we were creating it, it felt like the right thing to do, but it was very clear from the start that the nudity should be not sexualized, and that was, I mean, it's, I, I have no issue whatsoever about um, seeing movies when there's sexualized nudity. Sure, yeah, sure. It's totally, totally fine if it's right for the story, right? But, but in this story, it wasn't about that, you know, and so it was very much about letting go, you know, in a different way. And so how attached that is to the female gaze, I don't know, but you're right, it's been three strong voices in there that are female, so there's probably a female point of view in there for sure. Well, let's talk about your challenges or opportunities, I guess, uh, Mm. depending on your perspective, on your job as the director of this, because... It is an utterly unique film project where there is a um, screenplay that is written that is, I wouldn't say it's ignored, but like the, the dialogue, sorry, is, is um, changed to this unintelligible gibberish Yes, that you are directing. I know a lot of uh, the cast are improvisers who I imagine would have wanted to sort of really stretch their legs and do what they can with their characters. Like there are a lot of things that are very... Um, perhaps different from the way that you've worked in previous projects. What were the hindrances and and what was great about it? Yeah, I mean, every project is different. You know, this is the beauty of being a director is that you're, you know, one minute you could be researching dolphins and then the next minute you're imagining how someone might communicate in gibberish, you know. So yeah, <laughs> this is, and you you know, and you very much just follow that deep dive. And so when Jackie had this brilliant idea of the gibberish, I, I, one of the things that really excited me about it was the playfulness that it was going to bring for the cast. And it would open up all of this um, potential for absurdity within the world, you know, that we could explore. And so um, some cast members loved to improvise a lot more than others like for example Jermaine is a he's such a genius at that so we gave him as much free reign as possible so you know I'd sometimes be like the cinematographer and I would be like Chase oh my god he's gone into the water and you know we'd be you know and when then we'd be filming extra shots all around you know some gem of an idea that he'd just impulsively come up with and then other actors wanted much more structure and so we would work you know with them in that way but in creating the language, we uh, we we wanted to have it so it sounded like a real language. So there was a coherent coherency about it. So we built this umbrella of sounds that were slightly Scandi influenced, and um, and and had some words like "tula" for thank you and "heya" and "adet" you know for goodbye, and so that there was some commonality. Mm. So it, and that, but then the actors were able to improvise within that mm. and Perry Percy who was our, our dialogue dialect coach she was with us the whole time and it was her job to just listen and make sure that there was enough variation and that there was this flow of communication so that was fantastic you know but we rehearsed in English first so that the atten- intentions of the actors were were clear so, oh interesting yeah. okay so Jackie had um she'd not wanted to write a script where there was a di- was dialogue but we discovered through workshops that it was too loose, as you as you were suggesting before, you know, and that there was it was hard for people to really understand intentions and emotional tensions and find real beats to the scene. So she wrote English um, 
dialogue we'd rehearse in that and then we would flip it into the gibberish and play around once we're in the gibberish and then you know we could branch wildly off that as in you know a lot of the germane scenes for example but um it gave us something uh, some structure yeah sort of gra- <laughs> if it's full blown blank check silliness yeah that can be a little bit hard to yeah. stay on board with for well, the duration of the story it was it became all about emotional intentions and actors listening very deeply to one another and and feeling one another as opposed to understanding through dialogue obviously because so you they had an idea of what was going on because they would rehearsed the scene in english but still much more of it was communicated through other ways you know i think it really shows as well in the final product because you know there's that old saying that acting is reacting or acting is listening listening yeah and you really see it because their antennae are just so tuned and i think there was a because they were really trying to communicate, sometimes there was much more use of body language, which we just embraced as part of our world, you know, and and physical comedy and, you know, so. You mentioned uh, that Jermaine obviously has a lot of experience and talents in improvising and, yeah. and it sounds like you and the crew just had to kind of on a couple of occasions go with that. Oh, we just, I just encouraged it. I mean, I you know, it's like very much um, happy to be on the receiving end of any of his um, ideas. Well, know? I read that he added because he's the only character i think that has just just one or two moments of speaking an english word maximum arousal yeah. yes yes we very <laughs> like a little tactical nuke <laughs> yes exactly and the, jackie and i were like well we had to have a little meeting with the rest of the rest of the cast and say now you might hear jermaine say every so often throw in an english word now he's allowed to because he's the guru and uh in this you know at this camp but but yeah, everyone lock, else lock down the contagion lock, yeah, of the exactly, english language yeah. from yes from spreading permeating yeah, throughout the rest yeah, of the cast yeah but very funny a very funny use of that what was it like? What was the shooting experience like when you actually got to to film this thing? You're in this well, beautiful part of the South we'd Island. Had a, we'd had the whole um, uh, shoot bumped because of COVID, and so um, we were being in between pandemics. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, so it felt like a a kind of relief and an oasis for a lot of us who had just experienced the first um, lockdown, which was quite a shock to the system for, mm. for, for most most people. And also a shock for work, for actors and stuff. And also the community of Makarora, who had not seen a tourist for a really long time or had uh, anyone stay there or bring money to the community or just energy, you know, vitality. So... It was this beautiful thing. It kind of arrived as it, we arrived as a team and all stayed in the A-frames and uh, and there was a pub and the community were, were wonderful and hospitable and joined in the crew and, and we had these wonderful actors all together who, you know, either knew each other or got to know each other and so it was quite a joyous uh, shoot. Yeah. Um, I was very, very busy so I wasn't able to... <laughs> Can I hang out at the pub as much as everyone else? But did but, you get a bit of FOMO? Did you when you no, saw this no, camaraderie it, for me? Like, oh, gl- that looks glory- like fun. Yeah, I just no, I just was. It made me just so happy to just kind of like sprint through watching everyone just kind of enjoying themselves, right. and you know, people put their families down, and so I was um, thrilled that there was that kind of energy, and 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 that we'd created this space where people felt comfortable to 
to be um, free and playful. So no, I I was happy for very happy for it. And um, what is this is such a unique project? As far as I can tell, something made in this way hasn't happened before. What what is your hope for Nude Tuesday now? As we're speaking, it's going to come out quite soon. I'm what a- do you want it to do? <laughs> Or maybe maybe you don't have any of those sorts of I notions. I mean, you know, obviously I'd love people to go and see it and I'd love to people to see it at the cinema because, my gosh, cinemas need people to go to them and there's nothing more joyous than watching a film at the cinema um, as much as I like watching movies on my laptop in bed as well. But it's, it's, it's just a – it's just – you know, I hope people um, – get something out of it and 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 enjoy it i mean you know i don't know i haven't really thought further than that i like that it seems like you've taken a very new zealand (laughs) practical (laughs) approach to this film which is like i'm here is the project yeah here is the challenge there's a very cool thing with this um brilliant idea of jackie's where whereby people can reinterpret it so it is a little bit like um whatever like a yogurt uh, um oh like a culture yeah, like it's, a, like a, it's like a yogurt culture like a or something dish? yeah it's like a yogurt culture you know you can you can break a bit off and then you can add it so it's like right, this right. thing is actually a bit a bit alive you know new tuesday it's got julia's version we have a wonderful version done by celia Pacola and um ronnie chang which is going to be for on the online for stan you know and so who knows there might be more versions to come of this uh so it it exists so it can live on through this new versions of the dialogue from your point of view as um the co-writer of the story and then the director of the film does this seem like a viable way to make movies does this feel like a repeatable methodology well it works for this film uh because it's integral to the theme which is you know about has communication at the heart of it uh, i can't imagine another uh, film being made this way if it if it would you know you've got to kind of build the film knowing you're doing it in gibberish it's hard i, mean, yeah. I, th- I suspect it would be a very hard thing to sort of do at the very end we did it we totally had it in the forefront of our mind the whole time and we built the story visually um without needing any of the information to come through through the dialogue that would you know need need to drive the plot and things Mm. like that so um it's very much a commitment to the uh gibberish uh, rather than a last minute thought (laughs) but uh you know i mean well it's a thoroughly brilliant film if it didn't have the gibberish element and having that in it just adds such an interesting dimension to the whole thing. So I hope thank that you. as many people as possible get to discover that for themselves. Thank you. Congratulations and thank on the film. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Tuesday podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. New Tuesday is in cinemas in New Zealand and Australia from mid-June and will be coming to streaming platforms soon. The New Tuesday podcast was brought to you by Film Queenstown Lakes and the New Zealand and Australian film distributors Madman Entertainment. It was produced, hosted and edited by me, Tim Bat, and co-produced by Courtney Mayhew and Tyler Hislop. The music in this series are original compositions by Cam Ballantyne and covers from Monica, which appear in the New Tuesday soundtrack available soon. Or maybe now, I don't know when you're listening to this. The series is also supported by Flix, Download the Flix app to find new Tuesday session times near you and get tickets.